Hey there, this is Sean McMahon. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast and thanks for supporting the ministry by lending your ears, your minds, hearts, all that good stuff. Don't be afraid to share this here message with a friend or a family member, even a stranger. Have at. It's not like it's going to bite. These messages are recorded live at the Community Baptist Church of Gayhead and Aquina on Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, and the good old U.S. of A. If you're ever in town for a visit or suddenly find yourself shipwrecked on the southwest side of our lovely little island, climb up the clay cliffs and come on down to our little old chapel for our weekly 10 a.m. service. No need to wear anything special, just bring your special self. May God bless you. reading today is from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to mankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, that the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant, according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. And although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles, the nations, the news of the boundless riches of Christ, and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rural rulers and authorities, in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. The word of the Lord. This Thursday, much of America was focused on rehashing the events of January 6, 2021 at the Capitol, right? And that event was bad news either way you look at it, but that date... January 26th traditionally holds more significance on account of some really good news. And that's epiphany. Epiphany. Epiphany is when the church remembers the revelation of God made incarnate in Jesus Christ and the story of the three wise men visiting the Christ child. And the church doesn't just remember this revelation, but as we'll see, the church also reveals it to the world. And no better time than now, right? Because, you know, it might be sad that our nation seems to be more preoccupied with other things right now, like memorializing what happened last January 6th. But that just means that we, the church, have our work cut out for us, especially since what happened on January 6th, either way you look at it, it's becoming a symbol of division in our nation. But the Christ child is a symbol, and not just a symbol only, but the living proof 
of unity and reconciliation for all nations. How appropriate that in this season of our nation's history, God has allowed the enemy to sow discord on the date set aside for the eternal church to sow harmony. We have our work cut out for us as Christians in America. Indeed, right? So let's plumb the depths of this revelation, of this epiphany, because it's our duty to report it to the world. It's our duty. It's our commission. And it's this good news that will heal the world and nothing else. Now, it's significant that our faith tradition focuses epiphany on the story of the three wise men visiting the Christ child because these three, these three wise men, they were Gentiles, okay? And they followed the star out of their nations to the land of the Jews in order to pay homage to its newborn king, okay? Not simply because he was the king of the Jews, but because he was the king of the world. In other words, he was their king too, St. John Chrysostom preached about the significance of this on Epiphany in the 4th century. Epiphany in the 4th century, many years ago. He said these three men were descended from the Gentile prophet Balaam, who first prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. And generations after Balaam, the three magi, Want to pay homage to the one whom the chief priest and the false king Herod at the time, remember what they wanted to do? They wanted to put little baby Jesus to death. And Chrysostom says, they believed on the authority of their one prophet, while the others refused to believe many prophets. The former knew that through the coming of Christ, their magic arts were ended. He's talking about the Magi. But the latter knew that through the coming of Christ, the latter, excuse me, the latter refused to accept the mysteries of the divine dispensation. They confessed a stranger. The Magi confessed a stranger, but the Jews rejected their own. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And the same star was seen by all, but not by all understood. As our Lord and Savior was truly born for all, as man he was born for all men but not by all was he received, nor understood by all. The preacher's point here is not to bash the Jews, but to show that God was so gracious as to send his son, the Lord, not just to be the savior and king of the Jews only, but the savior and king of the whole world. And this is significant because at the time Christ was revealed to the world, God was only in a covenant relationship with one nation, and that was Israel. They may have expected the coming of Christ to mean something special only for them in Israel, only for Jews, but that was not God's plan. Christ may have been born in Judea, the land of the Jews, but he was born for everyone, Jews and Gentiles alike. And St. Paul tells us the same in Ephesians. He says, Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. He's saying that all the promises given through the prophets of one nation, Israel, right? All these promises are actually for all nations. And he says, in former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind as it has been now revealed to his holy apostles 
and prophets by the Spirit of God. He's talking about his own times. That's when this mystery was revealed. And note the language of epiphany, right? It's a mystery that's revealed and made known by the Holy Spirit through the apostles and prophets. And what is the mystery that's revealed? It connects to what he just said. It's the news of the boundless riches of Christ and the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. What is the plan of the mystery? That through the church, the wisdom of God and its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Whoa. What? Does anybody think this is weird? Isn't the church's job description to make known the rich wisdom of God to people? Right? Isn't that the great commission to make disciples of all nations? But this says to make it known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. What in the heavens does this mean? I'm going to tell you. The meaning, by the way, is significant to our current kerfluffle, having our church America sandwiched between two January 6ths, the one being a bad news bear, the other being a good news goose, right? The meaning is going to help us understand what to do in situations such as the aforementioned kerfluffle, when we're either supposed to memorialize something bad or report something good, right? So let's get into it. Y'all remember... When the angel Gabriel showed up late to the party in Daniel 10, okay, Daniel's whole spiel in Daniel 10 came up because he was remembering that Jeremiah prophesied a 70-year captivity for his people. And Daniel's watching that calendar, praying to God, saying, Hey, God, it's been about 70 years now. You told us we'd be free, so where's the holdup? We're not free. And Daniel's waiting and waiting, and then finally the angel Gabriel shows up, and he's like, give me a second, bro. I'm a little late, sorry. He has a tardy excuse, and he says, listen, Daniel, I heard you on the first day that you started calling and praying to heaven, and I got right on my way, but there was a holdup, okay? And he says, the angel prince, the prince over the kingdom of Persia, opposed me for 21 days, then Michael, one of the chief princes, one of the chief angels, right? He came to help me, for I'd been left there with the kings of Persia. Okay? Is this ringing a bell? Gabriel was late because he and Michael, both of them angels, were doing battle with his other angel, prince of Persia, okay? They're duking it out. Heavenly hosts having a little, a little brawl. This is God's word showing us that there is an angel over the kingdom of Persia. There's an angel over the kingdom of Persia. A prince, okay? Doesn't that maybe sound a little bit like a ruling authority in the heavenly places? Right? There's an angel over every nation. There's an angel over every nation, just like there's an angel for every individual. The Bible tells us so on both counts. We don't exactly have a staff directory for the heavenly host, but we do know that the angels have charge over the nations. And we also know, 
And this is interesting, is that when those nations fall and others rise in their place, the Bible says that the heavens are rolled up like a scroll, or the heavens are shaken, and a new heavens and earth come to replace the former, just like St. Peter says happened during the flood, right? But now, instead of something like a flood, making such alterations to the heavenly places, St. Paul is saying something radical. He's saying that it's God's purpose, it's God's plan to hand authority for such heaven-shaking changes over to people, to the church. No more floods. This is the church's job. Is your mind blown? Is your mind blown? That's the Bible for you. Remember when St. Paul says the church will judge angels? Perhaps this is relevant to what we were just discussing, right? About angels over the nations. Perhaps it's relevant to what we were discussing about people of Gentile nations being fellow heirs with Israel of the kingdom, of the nation of God. Doesn't that sound like nations changing boundaries, nations rising and falling, the heavens being shaken? Picture what's being painted here. When the gospel is preached, when the church reveals the truth, when the church reports the epiphany, and when people believe, the heavens are shaken. The conversion of people changes nations, and the conversion of nations shakes the heavens. It's the changing of the heavenly God. That's all the church. That's all the church. It's the church's job, all church. So can you see what this means for a January 6th kerfluffle? It means we can shake the heavens if we can convert the heart of the nation by the revelation of truth, the epiphany. It means our nation divided can stand united in the revealed truth of the Christ child. And that even if separate nations are united together in him, then certainly a single but divided nation can be reconciled in his mercy. I have some sad news I always have for you when it comes to politics in the pulpit. It doesn't really matter which side you're on. It does not matter which side you're on because the political bodies, the forms that you're betting on, they're not what matter. With all due respect to the institutions and the political offices, they are not what matter. That's not our gamble. That's not our fight. Our struggle is not against enemies of flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of darkness, against the evil spiritual forces in the heavenly places. Not in the capital. Either way, you slice it, all right? But folks, this is good news. This is very good news for us. This is good news for us because you're not alone in this fight. You're not a sole actor in this plan to make known the rich wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You're not alone. You're part of a body, a big body, an immortal body, in fact. You're part of the body of Christ, the church. It's not just you alone in this fight. It's us all together, what we call the church militant on earth. And it's not just us and the church militant on earth. It's also our brothers and sisters gone into glory and the church triumphant, right? It's the spirits of the righteous made perfect that are looking down on us, right? The ones that we're seated with in the heavenly places with big bowls of full of the incense of intercessory prayer, just like what the Bible says, right? And most importantly, 
we have the Holy Trinity, in whom and by whom we live and breathe and have our being. Now, you didn't come expecting your Epiphany sermon to end up being a war cry, right? But that's what Epiphany truly is. It's a war cry. It's a spiritual battle cry. And take heart, because our Lord is the one who won the war. And our job is to reveal that truth and proclaim it. So church, that you proclaim this truth with words that are wise, but simple. May you reveal it with acts of mercy and charity. And may you shake the heavens and earth by the power of the great love that is in you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sean McMahon Podcast. Visit SeanSellickMcMahon.com for more information about his ministry. For more about Sean's music, please visit workmansong.com